the Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Love. Courage. Truth. Glenn Beck. Earlier today, in Israel, sirens blared and men and women and children pulled their cars over on the highway, stopped whatever they were doing, and they stood with their heads bowed as the entire nation of Israel came to a standstill. This happens every year, and it is remarkable to witness. Today is Holocaust Remembrance Day, and the Knesset marked the day with the annual ceremony uh, of the blaring of the sirens, and then also, unto every person there is a name. And for two hours, the Israeli lawmakers recite the name of the six million Jews murdered by the Nazis. Just a few short hours before Jews all over the world began this time of sorrowful remembrance, the Prime Minister of Israel received a frantic phone call from Russia. Vladimir Putin was on the other end. He was desperate to save his ally, chemical Assad, as Trump calls him. He apparently pleaded with Netanyahu not to get involved in this growing coalition of Western allies to strike Syria. It, he's, he must be desperate for Vladimir Putin to call Benjamin Netanyahu to save Assad. As of now, the list of allies rumored to include the United States, France, the UK, and even Germany. Netanyahu's response was simple. On the eve of Holocaust Remembrance Day, the Israeli Prime Minister responded defiantly. He said, I will never, ever allow the Iranian military to remain in Syria. You see, this is what this is really all about, and nobody is really talking about it. Russia has been supporting Iran for a very long time. Iran now has overrun much of Iraq and is in Syria, and they're trying to they're trying to create a crescent shape um, uh, state. A oh my gosh, a caliphate. It's been over seventy years since the Nazis fell in Europe, but their anti-Semitic ideology lives on in a different and possibly even more frightening form with the Iranian regime. Does anybody know what Iran means in Persian? Has anybody asked, when did Persia go away? And when did it become Iran? It's a great story. I'll tell it to you some other time if you've missed me telling it before. But I can, you can figure it out just by... Realizing that the name Iran is Persian for Aryan. They claim such support for Hitler's ideas that they officially declared themselves an Aryan nation. Well, the clerical regime in Iran wants Israel wiped off the face of the map and they want all of the Jews dead. And that's all they're after. And you need to understand this, and the world needs to understand this. It doesn't mean you have to agree. It just means you have to understand that this is what they're doing. Ever since the fall of Saddam Hussein, Iran has been carving up the Middle East, getting closer and closer to their final solution. 
What's even more despicable is that the Obama administration practically rolled out the red carpet for them to do it. The Iranian clerical regime is moving methodically towards Israel's border because they believe that when Israel is gone and the Jews are dead, the Messiah will come. The world will end and their prophet will tell them, well done, good and faithful servants. Again, you don't have to believe this, but you have to understand the religious nut jobs do believe this. You don't have to take my word for it. You don't even have to take Netanyahu's word for it. There is a line in a speech given just a few days ago that no one, no one has reported on. It came from the Deputy Secretary General from the Iranian Republican Guard. Now, this is the militia operating in both Iraq and Syria. I want to quote it. Listen carefully. Quote, Regional developments are creating the groundwork for the arrival of the Imam of Time. If you're a long-term listener of the program, you know that's the 12th Imam. Continuing my quote, We're currently busy completing the encirclement of Israel and will soon pray in the Dome of the Rock, end quote. This is what is really happening. The Imam of Time is the Mahdi, or the 12th Imam. Twelvers believe that his arrival will happen after the world is washed and painted in blood. Destroying Israel is the tip of the spear in that plan. Have you ever heard about the Iranian involvement in both Lebanon and Syria and wondered what this was all about? This is what Israel is facing. This is what the world is now facing. It kind of puts the current conflict of Syria in a completely different context. And when you're dealing with this level of evil... We all better come together, or we will all pay a great price. So, today, on Holocaust Remembrance Day, this program joins with the Jews from all over the world and solemnly remember what happens when madmen are allowed to run countries. We also stand shoulder to shoulder with Israel And declare with Israel today, you have a right to exist. Jews have a right to live. And we declare never again not on our watch. It's Thursday, April 12th. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. I, uh, let me give you a couple of stories here just so we can be sober and stop talking about Stormy Daniels please for the love of Pete stop talking about Stormy Daniels can we look at what we're facing This comes from The Federalist. It's time for the United States to divorce before things get dangerous. Now, 
Stu, could you just pull up the Declaration of Independence for me real quick? I can quote, I can quote part of it. But there is, I mean, we really need to listen to the Declaration of Independence. All of it. When in the course of human events it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with one another, the Federalist quotes the Declaration of Independence. Divorce is hard, but it's easier than cutting the brake lines on your wife's car. It's long past time for an amicable divorce of the United States of America because there is no common ground left anymore. We are now the couple screaming at each other all night, every night, as the kids hide in their room. We cannot come together, but we don't have to live like this. The history of the world is nations breaking up and redrawing their borders. If we want to avoid this political divide turning into a deadly one, we should do likewise. We're a nation hopelessly divided. And we are more divided now than we've ever been in our history. And before you start screaming at me about the Civil War, keep in mind that the bloody conflict was fought over one major issue. In those days, you took 10 families from New York and 10 families from Alabama and put them all in a room. And you'd find that they had mostly the same values. But you fast forward today and do the same thing. These families have virtually nothing in common. We as a nation have polarized and separated from each other. Anyone who thinks this is a radical idea has an extremely narrow view of history. I've been claiming this idea for a while and it appears others are catching on. Just last week, a group of lawmakers in South Carolina introduced a bill that would allow the state to secede if the federal government started seizing guns. Now, why would these lawmakers even be worried about such a thing? Because Democrats are saying it. And it's not some hippie chick with armpit hair at a vegan rally. When a former justice of the Supreme Court calls for a repeal of the Second Amendment, the left should be taken seriously. The GOP has many problems, but the Democratic Party has turned into something completely un-American. This is the party that booed the very mention of the word God at their convention in 2016. The parties who, uh, whose candidates openly joke about killing anyone who won't turn in their weapons. The senators joke on national TV about killing the U.S. president, and the host responds by clapping like a seal. If you believe in God and limited government, here are the entities that now proclaim their hatred of you in full view of the public. The Democratic Party, the media, Hollywood, the public education system, and now even corporate America. The GOP may have the House and the Senate and the presidency, but we have completely lost the culture war. It doesn't have to be this way. It's difficult, but ultimately peaceful. A peaceful path that ends with everyone getting most of what they want. We divide the nation in two, and we can, we can and will redraw the map and argue over it a million different ways for a million different reasons, but draw it we must. Let me give you another one. Soros and MoveOn.org are now promising a massive protest around the country. Bank of America executives have now said that they are going to stop loaning banks to firearm manufacturers. That is something I warned you about. There's only five big banks. And the fifth big bank 
is uh, not Lehman Brothers, uh, uh, Goldman Sachs. <laughs> I don't even think of that as a bank. That's how few big banks we have now because of the crash of 08 and what the clowns in Congress did. You've got two of the big five now saying we're not going to make loans to people who make guns. You don't need to repeal the Second Amendment. We have people screaming at each other. We have people defining hate in all different kinds of ways. There was a story that I read today about in Pampers. People have been stuffing these little cards. It's okay to be white. Well, they're from a they're from an identitarian group here in America. A neo-Nazi group. And they're starting to pop up all over and people are outraged. Well, what about the outrage of the new mural that is at the at USC? At the campus of the University of South uh, 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 of uh, of South California uh, Southern California. There's a mural that has just been up been put up that says um Dismantle the whiteness. What the hell does that even mean? I'm sorry. I demand an answer. What does that mean? Because when I got in trouble for questioning whether the president has a problem with white culture, Little Miss Funny Pants, uh, what's-her-face, Katie Couric, tries to quarter me and say, what, what do you mean by white culture? Trying to make that sound racist itself. Well, I don't know. What, is, what does USC mean by dismantle whiteness? Because if I was racist for questioning if the president had a problem with the white culture based on the words on his book, well, then does anybody have a problem with dismantle whiteness? Does anybody think that that might be racist? Where are we headed, gang? Where are we headed? So there's something really important in the Declaration of Independence. Really important. When in the course of human events it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them one to another and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and nature's God entitle them, a decent respect to the opinions of mankind require that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. So the first thing they say is, look, if we want to separate, we have to tell you why. Why do we want to separate? And this is the part that we all know. We hold these truths to be self-evident. We all know. But we don't know the words after those. And anybody who is saying burn it down, anybody who is saying we should split, let's go over the Declaration of Independence for just a second. Because you have a God-given right. But you also have a God-given responsibility, and it's laid out in the Declaration of Independence. We go there next. Just a quick uh, point of clarification. Is Katie Kirk known as Little Miss Funny Pants? Is that a thing that I've missed? She is to me. Okay. 
She's little. She wears funny pants. Just wanted to make sure I, I, I just missed something, and that's you know that happens at times. Tax season is here. Identity thieves are at it again. According to the IRS, they're filing fake tax returns with stolen personal information, like social security numbers. We're all vulnerable. The Southwest is is uh, is probably the worst region for identity theft. And, you know, it uh, basically comes from Nevada, but all good things come from Nevada. You know what I mean? Identity theft, hookers. I mean, what else do you want? Tax fraud might be at the top of your mind right now, but you... Uh, uh, you have to realize that this is happening year-round, identity theft. So many threats, because we're all connected, and if there's one weak link in the chain, it all goes away. That's why the new LifeLock Identity Theft Protection adds the power of Norton Security. It will help you protect against the threats of your identity and your devices that you can't easily see or fix on your own. So if you have a problem, they have the agents that are going to work to fix it. Because that's the thing that, I mean, I can't only... I can't watch and find out if somebody is trying to get in. But I also, if they do, can't fix it myself. Now, nobody can stop all cyber threats, prevent all identity theft, or monitor all transactions at all businesses. But LifeLock, with new Norton Security, is able to uncover the threats that you might otherwise miss. So go to LifeLock.com right now. That's 1-800-LIFELOCK. Use the promo code BECK. LifeLock.com. Promo code BECK. Get an additional 10% off. 1-800-LIFELOCK. 1-800-LIFELOCK. Or LifeLock.com. Save an additional 10% by using the promo code BECK. Glenn Beck Mercury. Glenn Beck. How much of the Declaration of Independence do you actually know? As people now are starting to say, hey, we should separate ourselves. We all know it starts with when in the course of human events becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them from one another. It basically says we have to declare why we want to separate ourselves. And so what do they do? They don't start with the problems. They start with what they believe in. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal and they're endowed by their creator with certain unalienable, unchangeable rights that among these are life, liberty, and property is the original word, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men. Wait a minute, hold it. That to secure these rights, which rights? That all men are created equal and endowed with life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness among those rights? That to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men. So in other words, government is only there to protect the rights of mankind. They derive their just powers, the government, from the consent of the governed. They, they don't have any power unless we give it to them. And that when any form of government becomes destructive to the ends, it is the right of the people to alter or abolish it. Now that's the part where everybody just stops, usually. I got on the Declaration of Independence. We, they're going after our rights. We have a right to abolish it. Mm-hmm. Or alter it. But there's a comma there. It's not a period. Do you know what it says? Because this is an instruction manual. The, the Declaration of Independence, this is our instruction manual. This is what tells us 
what to do when things get really, really bad. What is the threshold? What do you do? And how do you do it? I'm going to pick it up after the comma when we come back. Glenn Beck Mercury. This is the Glenn Beck program. We have not struck Syria yet, which means uh, we're taking this seriously. I told you yesterday that uh, Russia, on their evening news, they were told we're on the possible eve of nuclear war with the United States. And here are the foods things, the food storage that you need. Grab these things if we alert you. Don't panic. Just get to a fallout shelter. I mean, that's how seriously they're taking it. I am happy to say it appears that the administration is taking it that seriously as well. We're developing a coalition, which you don't usually do just for a strike, which concerns me. Yesterday, Vladimir Putin begged uh, Israel not to join that uh, coalition, but Benjamin Netanyahu uh, quoted the uh, leader of the Iranian Guard uh, that is in Syria about talking about how the 12th Imam is about ready to come. Because we have almost completed our encirclement of Israel and it will be destroyed soon. This is what's going on. This is how serious things are. And in our own country, we are divided by politics. I don't believe we're divided by principle. Now, maybe we are. But I don't think anybody's even talking about principles. There are people that want to, that, that, that say they're anarchists. Okay, great. Tell me what that means. Tell me what you replace it with. You're completely irresponsible. And quite honestly, I put you into the category of an enemy of mankind. If you can't tell me what you're going to replace it with. The Declaration of Independence, we hold these truths to be self-evident. That's what they were saying. Look, we think this is a problem. But before we tell you about all the problems of why we think we need to break away from Great Britain, we we have to tell you what we believe in. We believe these things are absolutely, universally, never-changing truths that all men are created equal. We're all the same, and we're born the same. And God gives all of us the same rights, and government is only there to protect those rights. And it says whenever any form of government becomes destructive to these ends, it is the right of people to alter or abolish it. Now, that's not a period. That's a comma. And everybody is taking that as a period. They're not even stating what they believe in anymore. What are the principles that are driving you? The principles that are driving me are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The principles that are driving me is the Bill of Rights. And I will stand for anyone on any side that will stand with the Bill of Rights. The comma says, whenever the for, when any form of government becomes destructive to these ends, protecting those rights, it is the right of the people to alter or abolish it, comma, and 
institute a new government laying its foundation on such principles and organizing the powers in such of a form as uh, as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness and by the way it's not your safety it's the safety of those rights so you have a right but you have to tell us what you're going to do that will be better than this government to protect those rights. It then goes on and says, you know, prudence, prudence indeed will dictate that governments long established should not be changed for light and transient causes. Light and transient causes. I don't know. Stormy Daniels might be a light and transient cause. Jeremiah Wright might be a might be a light and transient cause. Accordingly, all experience has shown that mankind is more disposed to suffer while the evils are sufferable than right themselves by abolishing the forms to which they're accustomed. We all know the media is a problem. We all know that Facebook is a problem, but you're not going to do anything. You're not going to get off of Facebook. You're not going to do it because it will make you uncomfortable. It'll make your you're accustomed to it. It'll be harder to come off of it. So you don't do it. And that's normal. That's natural. But the declaration says when you get to a point of of utter absolute despotism, utter absolute despotism wow are we living under absolute despotism when you find yourself in in utter absolute despotism it is the people's right comma it is their duty why would it be their duty to throw off such government comma wait why is it their duty to throw off the government because they're not talking about you. They're not talking about the self-centered little me. They're talking about the rights of all mankind. When will someone begin to articulate in this nation that we have a responsibility not to ourselves? We have a responsibility not to, oh, you know, uh, but I want that new car. Oh, I want a higher uh, paying salary. What are you doing? What are all of us doing? What are we doing every day when we get up? That is because we're accustomed to thinking that way. We will live in uncomfortable, not absolute, but uncomfortable despotism for a very long time. We'll suffer through it. Because I don't, I don't want to try. I'm tired. I don't want any trouble. That's normal. It's our right. It's our duty to throw off those governments, comma, and to provide new guards for their future security. So before anybody says to me, hey, we should break away. Anybody says, I'm a, I'm a, a, a socialistic anarchist. I'm a, I'm a, a, a narco-capitalist. 
Tell me what that means. In specifics, what does that mean? You go to any college campus and I can guarantee you these boobs have no idea. And if they start quoting uh, French philosophers, you might want to remind them about the guillotine. Revolutions start all the time, but they don't usually end with the people who started them. The United States is the one shining example where it worked. Because everybody can gather around on the long train of abuses. Oh my gosh, look what they've done. Look what they're doing. We're all pissed about something. And have you noticed? We're all starting to agree on what we're pissed about. We may have different names, different faces on who's doing that. Fake news. Do you notice both sides are saying it? Both sides. We're all pissed off about fake news. We're all pissed off about the wars. We're all pissed about the spending. Too much, too little. Not enough. Corruption. Banks. We're all pissed off about it. Can you tell me what our unum is? Can you tell me what the principle is that's driving us? Because I'm tired of being pissed every day. I'm tired of coming in every day and going, yep, look how bad it is. Yep. Look at that guy. Oh, Paul Ryan. Oh, Paul Ryan. He resigned. Now I could go and do a, I could do a three-hour monologue. Thank you, Paul. Thank you. Thank you. You sold us down the river. You yourself became a dictator. The four of you, the leadership, you all got together. You destroyed our system. And now you know that things are so bad that you're all evacuating. All of you. What is it, 32 people are resigning from the GOP? The largest since 1930? Why is that? Because they know. Get while the getting is good. And you're leaving us with a bag. Thank you. After you've enriched yourself, thank you. Now, I could go on and on and on about that. But what does it matter? What does it matter if we don't all come together and say, e pluribus unum, from many, one. We are from many, many. Celebrate diversity. Find one thing that we stand for. What is it? Well, we don't torture. Yes, we do. We lie about it. Well, we don't do it. Oh. Oh, okay. If I may quote Thomas Jefferson, because I know the Lord is just, I tremble for my country. Here's what we agree on. This is what brings us together. And we can nibble all around the sides, but it is about time that we come together. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. If I may quote Martin Luther King, damn it, America, it's time for you just to live up to those words. Do you know how long of a life we could have as a country before we have to go to war with each other if we would just embrace those words? 
all men are created equal and they're endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, life, liberty, and property. That's what brought us together before. It was the Declaration of Independence and it was common sense. I'm going to try to complete my day without getting sucked into the wormhole of nightmares. Of the... Oh, Stormy Daniels! What is that going to mean? I don't care. Because that does nothing, nothing to get us to an unum. That does nothing to get us to principles. Because I, I have to tell you, at one point... This whole damn thing, this house of cards that we are building. It's all going to come down. And it's going to be you and your neighbor looking at each other. And if we don't start building bridges to each other, we'll kill each other. And I'm not for that. I'm not for that. So let's try to find our way to each other today. Just have one conversation with somebody one and just be kind you start to write something on facebook or twitter back it up write something kind just one just one because if we if, if just the people in this audience did that i'm telling you you change the world Well, believe it or not, I didn't have any of that planned. That's uh, just kind of... I got a lot to tell you about today. We have a ton to talk about because there's a lot going on. I have the latest on Stormy Daniels coming up. (laughs) It's very important. (laughs) We got to get to that. By the way, uh, did you see uh, people are now saying the rapture is coming April 23rd? I saw that. Yeah. That's 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 really good. I'm going to... I want to count down. I want to count down to the rapture. Because if the rapture is true, we all disappear. Anybody who's a good person, I'll feel bad if a whole bunch of people disappear and then I'm left here. But you know what? Less people to deal with. Maybe things get better. I'm not sure. But April 23rd, write it down on your calendar. Anyway, uh, let me tell you about American financing. All right. How you doing with your mortgage? How you doing with your bills? Are you thinking about buying a new place? Are you thinking you're having to buy a new place? Because you have to buy a new place. Now is the time. Now is the time. Sell your home or refinance your home. Buy a new home. Now is the time. The interest rates are low. Now, I want you to go to American Financing because they don't work for the banks. Remember, you know, one of the things, the problems of, of, of uh, 2008 was the bank was 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 trying to sell all these Loans were, wait, I don't even have to have a job? Yeah, yeah. Okay, they didn't do that at American Financing. They're salary-based mortgage consultants, so they're not just trying to jam you into anything. They're going to talk to you about what it is you're trying to do, what your budget is, you know, what you're looking for. If you're refinancing or if you're 
um, uh, trying to consolidate your loan. They're going to work with you to find the right thing for you. American Financing. Call them now at 866-750-6551. That's 866-750-6551 or AmericanFinancing.net. American Financing Corporation, NMLS 182334, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Glenn Beck Mercury. Glenn Beck. One of the best articles I have read uh, for a while came from Ben Smith. Um, a a self-reflection uh, of, a, of, a, of a writer and a journalist who says, man, I, something has haunted me for a very long time. And it's just raw. It's really, really good. Um, and it's about learning how to be a good journalist and learning what the world is really like and... And uh, and taking your your glasses off, uh, you know, your rose colored glasses off and going, oh, I'm going to change the world. And realize, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I just have to tell the truth. I just have to tell the truth. Ben Smith is going to be joining us here in just a second. Also, some big news from Bank of America. They are going to stop making loans. One hundred percent full stop is the quote. Making loans to gun manufacturers. That's two banks out of the big five now. Glenn Beck. Mercury. Love. Courage. Truth. Glenn Beck. You know, for the last few years, uh, I have really... uh, I've not changed my core. I know what I believe. I know... These truths I find self-evident. Um, however, there's, you know, what made me popular was that I was certain. I was certain. And you have to, to do this job, you have to be pretty certain about a lot of things. But I was certain. And in the last few years, I have lost what made me popular, certainty. And I, am, I have gained what has zero value today. Except to me, humility or a a lack of certitude. That's a good thing, I think. It makes it very difficult to compete in today's world. But I know what my core is. But boy, what we're doing isn't working. I have been looking for anybody who has had a moment of self-reflection. And I read one of the best stories on self-reflection I have, and possibly maybe the only one uh, that I have read from uh, journalists. Um, But it is a great article, and it's written by Ben Smith. He's the uh, editor-in-chief of BuzzFeed. Uh, And it is, this is what it was like learning to report before fake news was the biggest problem in the world. And it is a piece on, wow, maybe I should have been less certain. Uh, ben Smith joins us now. Hi, Ben. How are you? Good. Thanks for having me on, Glenn. Uh, you bet. This, uh, this is a great, uh, a great article that I, I just haven't seen. I haven't seen from anybody else, and I appreciated it. And I wanted to, A, start with saying thank you. Well, thank you. I guess I must be the only person in this business ever to get anything wrong. <laughs> uh, all right. So... So can you just tell, take us through the story and tell the story? 
Oh, sure. Yeah. When I guess when I, you know, my first gig, like, like a lot of young reporters, um, when I was young and unattached, I, uh, had always wanted, you know, kind of wanted, there's a romance in being a foreign correspondent and I got a job, the only place I could, which was this particularly obscure bit of Northeastern Europe covering, um, working with stringing, so freelancing for the Wall Street Journal and covering, um, places like Latvia and Lithuania and particularly Belarus, um, which is this, medium-sized, kind of authoritarian-run country that never really left communism. It's the one place where they really kind of kept the system intact. Um, and where, in this was the but 2001, um, the, in fact, the election was, was the day before 9-11, September, or two days before, it was September 9th, 2001. Um, that felt like it was this historical anomaly. Everything was going one direction. Russia was going to become this free market democracy. And Belarus was this weird exception. And so all the Western reporters went there to report on how what a weird exception it was. And there was all this stuff there that made no sense. There was this giant tractor factory producing what seemed like, you know, many thousands of tractors. And if you'd go around the country, there'd be tractors plowing the streets. There'd be tractors sitting unused on farms because nobody could afford diesel. Um, so I wrote this Wall Street Journal story kind of making fun of um, communist mass production. I, um, and, and, I, but the, and the biggest story I got was this young, um, young activist uh, who told me that for this new kind of revolutionary group that was trying to you know, bring democracy to the country, who told me that the way they funded their group is every month he would go to Poland and pick up a suitcase full of cash from the Americans and bring it back to pay the bills. And this was a great scoop. You know, this was big news about American foreign policy, and so I published it. Um, and then the next time I was in the country, the uh, the deputy chief of mission, the sort of number two diplomat, confronted me and told me I had gotten this kid um, beaten up and thrown in jail with my carelessness in reporting what he told me. And this um, and this is something that b- bothered you for a very long time. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's something that sticks with you your whole career. You know, you just think about Because I think, you know, in journalism, it's hard to predict what's going to happen It's after you reveal a piece of information. And I think, you know, should you think about it? Should you not worry about it? Should you just be focused on essentially telling the truth to the people, to your audience at the expense of your sources? These are hard questions, but I definitely thought about it and, and Googled the guy from time to time. His name is Alexei Shedlovsky. And then at some point, and I don't even know if it was translated right, ran across an interview with him where he said he hadn't been to jail for his beliefs, which seemed weird to me. And so I, you know, I didn't really know what to do with it and sat on it for a while and then finally found him on Facebook where he's, he, he lives in Prague and he manages a hotel. Um, and I, I, called him up on Facebook and he said, yeah, that, that never happened. You know, I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't go to jail. The story was fine, <laughs> which was really, you know, totally shocking to me. I had spent years thinking this was this horrible thing I had done to him. Um, but it's, it, it goes further than just that. And you, you, you tell this story. I know you're, we're pressed for time. So you're, you're, you're rushing through the story, but you, you please read this story. It is so well-written and you can feel, I mean, I love the line and, and my face reddened even more, you know, as these things are being brought up to you over the years, you're just, it's grinding you. And well, yeah, and I, you know, I got everything wrong. The other detail, this tractor factory that I thought was such a joke, it was revealed in the um, in the run up to the Iraq war that the reason that it, w- it was so large and so hard to figure out and kind of weirdly secretive is that they were making missile launchers. 
and were exporting weapons all over the world. So my, I had totally misread the situation, you know, as you're apt to do and you're apt to, you know, you want, kind of want to tell your readers what they want to hear sometimes. And I knew the Wall Street Journal readers would get a kick out of a story about how, you know, silly communists doing silly communist things when in fact what this was, was, you know, a sort of hub in the anti-American arms dealing network. So, um, so yeah. you you quoted um, Janet Malcolm, and you said the core of journalism is betrayal. What does that mean? Well, she, you know, there's this famous little book called The Journalist and the Murderer. Um, and I think, you know, I mean, it's, journalism is a complicated business, and, and the goal of getting people the truth does not always involve, I mean, you know, it involves getting people to tell you things that's against their interest to tell you. There's this legendary story, a great novel called Fatal Vision. You know, if you like true crime, fantastic novel by Joe McGinnis. And he basically wrote to this man who was accused of murdering his family, told him that he was in sympathy with him, that he believed he was innocent, that he wanted to help with the defense, insinuated himself into the defense team, and then wrote a book about how guilty he was. And, um, I believe the guy sued him. I mean, it was, you know, it was this very messy mm-hmm. thing where he had really totally betrayed this guy, really tricked him into getting his confidence and betrayed him. And what, and it was a very extreme case, but I think what Janet Malcolm argues in this very small book about how, but sort of the ethical complexity of journalism is that at some level, that's what all journalists are doing all the time, is betraying people's confidences in order ultimately to tell the truth to their audience. And you were even betrayed as you found out that, when you when you met up with him, uh, the guy you thought had gone to jail and was beaten up, you didn't know what to do with it for a while. And it just kind of sat with you and you decided, I've got to find the guy who told that to me. Yeah. And, you know, I called him. And I left messages. I talked to his wife. I could never track him down. I finally got a hold of his boss who said, oh, God, he was always doing stuff like that. That's why he didn't work for me long. I mean, <laughs> after all these years, I wish I'd known that. <laughs> So you had gone through years of that. about, you know, trusting government. Like when, you know, people, government sources, official sources, diplomats tell you something, you know, your instinct, no matter how skeptical you are, at least mine as a young American journalist was to trust them. And that was the wrong instinct. And if I, if I have the story right, you have kind of come to the place that you have to question not just the government, um, but you have to question everything that you think you know. You've, you're, it sounds to me like you're in the same place that, that I'm at on, uh, wow, I, I have to be less certain because I don't know what I know anymore. Well, you know, the luxury of my business of news reporting, even more, I think, than yours, is that I, we, don't, we don't have to know things. We don't have to be sure. We can tell the readers what we found and let people make up their own minds. And I think it's, you know, it takes a certain amount of discipline to do that, and it's hard not to inject yourself, but I think that is all, that's ultimately what we tried to do. But isn't that what, uh, in some way, regard, that's what I should be doing as well, where I do have to inject myself, but I don't, I don't have to, uh, you know, uh, we, we all have to remember, you know, we, 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 have we listened to everyone? Are, are we absolutely sure this is, this is right? This is my opinion. That doesn't necessarily make it the only opinion worth considering. Yeah, I mean, you know, it depends. It's the sky, you know, you can say the sky is blue and be pretty sure about it, but yeah, I think, yeah. but you can also realize people lie to you, realize, um, 
you know, re- and realize that your big assumptions about where things, how wrong those can be. I mean, that to me was a big thing. You know, we were all there laughing at this ludicrous dictator who was obviously a relic of history. And, you know, 20 years later, he's still running the country. So, Ben, what is the state of journalism now? <laughs> That's a, that is a big question. I mean, the, I think, honestly, that it is better than you uh, might hear from our, our president. I think there's a lot of great reporting being done. I think, you know, there's a there's been a long campaign to discredit both specific journalists and whole topics of journalism that people don't like, you know, for, for their own reasons, and that that's really left a mark. Um, you think that's happened but I, but on both sides, people, though? But I, but I think when you say, when you know, people will say that they don't trust the media, but then if you ask them, do you trust your local newspaper? Do you trust the guy who writes about the Cleveland Indians for the plane dealer? Do you, you know, people mostly do. And so I think, but, but I think it's, but I think it's tough. And I think like our job is very much to try to win people's trust back to some degree. And I think that is in part by being transparent about what we don't know. The, the testimony this week with Facebook and Zuckerberg we are all now, I mean, when I first got into radio, this is 40 years ago, uh, I had to build an audience. Now, my audience has an audience. Everybody has an audience. Uh, and, and, you know, you can accuse me of saying and doing things, you know, for, for clicks or ratings or whatever. But a lot of people are now doing that that are just walking the streets and, 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 and they, they don't realize that they're doing that. Um, where do you stand on, on what's happened this week with, with Facebook? What should be done, if anything? Um, I mean, I think it's really complicated. I mean, I think that, you know, Facebook has this system, has built this, you know, this platform that has 2 billion people on it. And, you know, there's no way that the people running Facebook Incorporated can really control something like that. I mean, I think people see them as like the government of Facebook, but maybe they're a little more like the United Nations of Facebook. I mean, just in terms of the scale of it. And I think, you know, when, when something really horrific happens in the United States of America, you know, somebody gets shot on Facebook Live, there's, it gets a lot of media attention, they deal with it, they promise to take it seriously. Outside the United States, in languages you and I and Mark Zuckerberg don't speak, I mean, Every day, all sorts of crazy things are happening that the company is almost no way of telling what's going on. Um, I think that, you know, it's very unclear what, what regulation would mean in an American context. The Europeans are starting to really impose new rules around your ability to own your own data, your ability to force places like Facebook to explain what they're doing that I think may have ramifications here, too. But um, I do think, in a way, everybody's waking up to these compromises we've made around our privacy and, and kind of reckoning with them right now. Talk to Ben Smith of BuzzFeed. Uh, ben, one thing from the story to get back to it for a second uh, that you wrote, um, and we're going to tweet that at World of Stew at Glenn Beck, uh, make sure people can read it, uh, is I thought it was really interesting because it relates sort of to our world as well uh, in the talk radio realm in that you you felt the desire as a young reporter to essentially please your editor, right? Like to please the paper, to give them and what the audience what they wanted. And A, is that something that's you think common in your business? I know it's common in talk radio. I know it is. Um, do, you find, do you find that to be common in the business? And, and also, how do you push back against it? Because it's got to be a very natural instinct, essentially searching for acceptance from your employer. Yeah, and I think, you know, there's 
and there's your employer. There's also your audience, right? And do you want, and you want to please your audience, but you also, I think, hopefully respect your audience enough to know that sometimes people actually want to be challenged and will trust you more if you do not always tell them what they want to hear. I do think, you know, it's interesting, you know, before the Internet, that you didn't really know, you know, particularly if you were a newspaper reporter. I think, you know, in some ways in radio, you didn't really know what your audience was thinking. And so you did very much write for your editor, for your publication. I mean, the big change to me was that over that, you know, that, that when I became, when I got online, you know, the, my, the, the editor I cared about, whose opinion I cared about was Matt Drudge or Josh Marshall or Andrew Sullivan or some big blogger who could link me. And I think you saw, I think more than people realize, a lot of journalists were writing for them, were writing for these kind of mega internet assignment editors who could drive a lot of traffic. Um, and then that became replaced by social media and by, you know, can I get so-and-so to tweet it? Can I get, will this get me a lot of retweets, a lot of Facebook shares? And that can lead you, I mean, it can pull you to the extremes. The, the shrillest thing, the thing that most... Um, that plays most to a reader's prejudice is often the thing that gets most widely shared. Ben Smith, uh, editor-in-chief of uh, BuzzFeed.com. Thank you so much, Ben, and really enjoyed your article. Thank you for writing it. Thank you guys so much for having me on. You bet. Bye-bye. Bye. It's a really, it's, I mean, this is a nuanced conversation uh, because there are things that are true and always true, uh, but there are all kinds of things around the edges that we argue about that, you know, Maybe we should start listening uh, to each other uh, a little bit more and understanding what people are going through. And I say this to you, uh, saying, I don't know if I've always listened to you like I should have. I have, uh, I have judged uh, people harshly and without understanding and without, without listening. And that's not, that's not healthy for anybody. Anyway, let me tell you about our sponsor this half hour at ZipRecruiter. If you are hiring... Everybody needs a great person, but how do you find them? I want to thank ZipRecruiter for being such a, a longstanding uh, client of ours and, and trusting uh, that you know, we, we have an audience full of entrepreneurs, an audience full of small business people that need smart ways, efficient ways to find the right job candidate. ZipRecruiter has now uh, developed this uh, software to where it learns what you're looking for. It identifies then the people with the right experience and then invites them to apply to your job. So it posts everywhere, but it also goes out and finds those people. That's why 80% of employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in the first day. And ZipRecruiter doesn't start, stop there. They even spotlight the strongest applications that you receive so you never miss the one that they're saying, no, no, no really, this is the one that is the best. ZipRecruiter. It's how you find people. ZipRecruiter. Try it out for, for, for free today and you'll immediately find out why. Fortune 100 companies and, you know, companies the size of mine have used ZipRecruiter to find the best people. ZipRecruiter.com. Try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Beck. You can try it for free now. ZipRecruiter.com slash Beck. Glenn Beck Mercury. Glenn Beck. I think that Ben Smith article is a really important article, especially for young journalists, um, because he talks about don't write the things that you think the audience wants. Don't write the things that you think uh, your editor wants. Don't, don't write the things that are going to you know get you the lead story. Don't don't trust anything that you think you know. 
And uh, I, I, that is, to me, a really good thing coming from a guy that a lot of young reporters look up to and are probably trying to please right now. Really sage advice. I want to talk to you a little bit about um, Bank of America uh, for a second. It was Citigroup that came out about four or five weeks ago and said that um, we're going to stop doing transactions with uh, um, people that are selling uh, firearms to people under 21 uh, that are uh, high capacity magazines. We're not going to we won't provide any banking services. So no credit cards, uh, no banking, uh, no loans, nothing. And I told you at the time, this is disturbing because there are really only five banks in America of any real size. And and they are Bank of America, City, uh, Citigroup, J.P. Morgan Chase, Wells Fargo, and, um, and uh, not Lehman Brothers. Why do I keep saying Lehman Brothers? Uh, Goldman Sachs. Those are the banks. Now, Citigroup came out a few weeks ago and said, not going to do banking services to anybody that does those things. Okay. Bank of America has just come out and said the same thing. In fact, you need to hear the vice chairperson at the Bank of America yesterday making this announcement. This is remarkable. This is now the second bank, and they're saying they will not make any loans to firearm manufacturers. You don't, you're not going to have to... You're not going to have to repeal the Second Amendment. You'll just make it impossible through banking to be able to run a business, either making the guns or selling the guns. This is a constitutionally protected firearm, and the banks are deciding, no, we don't really care. We're not going to provide any kind of financial services. Two out of the big five. Back in a minute. Glenn Beck. Mercury. This is the Glenn Beck Program. After 2008, uh, everybody knew we should break these big banks up into smaller banks. But uh, what the federal government did was make the bigger bank, the biggest banks, even bigger. So we basically have about five national banks. We have five giant banks. We have Citigroup, Bank of America, J.P. Morgan Chase, Wells Fargo, and Goldman Sachs. And if those five banks decide that they're going to do or not do something, it changes our world. Well, and I'm sure there's no one behind this. Citigroup came out a couple of weeks ago and said they're not going to provide uh, loans or any financial services as Citi. They will not provide any financial services at all to any store or uh, group that sells uh, high-capacity magazines uh, or sells uh, to any gun un- to anyone under 21. There were a couple of other things. Now, I told you at the time, this is the way to get rid of the Second Amendment without ever having to pass a single law. You just get the five big banks to go along. Well, strike one with Citigroup. Strike two. Yesterday, Bank of America. So now we have two out of five. Bank of America, here is the um, Bank of America executive yesterday. Listen. 
What's Bank of America's stance on lending to gun companies that manufacture certain weapons? Well, let's just start with uh, we want to contribute in any way we can to reduce these mass shootings. Uh, I mean, that's it's such a tragedy in the United States. So that's number one. We do have a few uh, manufacturers of military-style firearms. We're in discussions with them. We have let them know that we are going to, we, it's not our intent to uh, underwrite or finance uh, military-style firearms on a go-forward basis. So does that mean that you are going to get out of lending to companies that manufacture military-style weapons that's used for civilians? Yes. Full stop, 100%. Yes. Full stop, 100%. What is a military-style weapon? Can anybody tell me? Because I know in Afghanistan that could be considered a rock. What is a military-style weapon? One that looks fancy? One that is, you know, has, is, is black or camouflaged or green? Long and pointy? Uh, one that has a high-capacity magazine. What does a high-capacity magazine mean? More than you'd need. How do we define that? This is this is happening now at the banking level. If the bank this and this is why cryptocurrency is so vital. Mm. Because if these five banks decide they want to do whatever they want with the second Man amendment, you're not going to be able you won't have companies making firearms. Because they won't be able to get bank loans. Every business needs a, a revolving loan. The time that it takes to buy the stuff, make the stuff, sell the stuff, get the money back. They have to pay their employees, so they need a revolving loan. 30, 60, 90 days to pay their bills while that, that uh, supply that they just made sells. How are you going to keep your doors open if you don't have a revolving loan? Imagine if, if Bank of America came out and said today, we just we are not going to be financing any of these news sites that deal in in hate speech or or uh, you know uh, violent speech, you could say, "Oh well, that's really good." Someone smart in the room would say, "Wait a minute, wait a minute. How are you how are you defining that?" Let me give you an example. Coming up in just a few minutes, Donald Trump's biggest supporters. These are the self-proclaimed biggest supporters of Donald Trump. Diamond and Silk going to be on the program for the first time. Diamond and Silk. They are, they have, I think they're hysterical. They are 100% in for Donald Trump. But I've never heard anything dangerous from them. I've heard things I disagree with, but I've never heard anything dangerous. I enjoy them. I like them. I disagree with them. Facebook has decided to censor them through the algorithm. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute. I just heard the testimony. He said that they were only going to censor people that were dangerous or engaged in hate speech or terrorism. I haven't heard that from Diamond and Silk. Have you? The devil is always in the details. And the banks now aren't really revealing the details. They're just letting you know. Let me tell you something. If America doesn't pull its money from Citigroup and Bank of America and put it into Chase or Wells Fargo... And tell Wells Fargo or Chase why they're doing it. We're going to lose this battle. Because you have two. It was nuts when I said this before any bank did it. 
It was nuts when I said one. It's probably still nuts now that I've said there's two. Guys, there's only five. There's only five big banks. You're going to pull your money? Because when you get down to Goldman Sachs, you can't pull your money from there. I don't know anybody. I don't know where I find a Goldman Sachs branch. You've got J.P. Morgan Chase and Wells Fargo. They start uh, down the same path of Bank in America and Citigroup. And they start saying, no financial services for these people. You're going to lose the Second Amendment. And you will lose it without a single vote in Congress or by you. So we've got a couple of stories that I just really want to get to. One is in Houston that we've been talking about for the last couple of days. We've just not had a chance to get to it. And the other is a is a remarkable story that Stu promises. I haven't read it yet because uh, he's very excited about it. It's a, it's about a mother of five? It's a wonderful family story. Glenn. Yeah, okay. All right. It's Good. a wonderful family story about a, a, a mom. Uh-huh. Uh, her name is Jordan Smith. Jordan Smith. Yes. I like her. Uh, she, now, she is a, a single mom. She's a single mom. Mm-hmm. Mother of five? Uh, I don't know if it's okay. a mother of five. All right. All right. I didn't know. Okay. No, I may now, have read another story about uh, yeah, a mother maybe. of five. Yeah, mm-hmm. maybe. Now, she's held a variety of jobs to pay uh, for, for her role as a single parent. It has its challenges, as we know. Mm-hmm. Um, she has served as a cocktail waitress mm-hmm. uh, and an exotic dancer. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And you know, there's a lot of, she has I, actually just one teenage daughter, it looks like. She has now, a teenage daughter. Yes. Okay. Right. Now, she has decided to, because you could, you could certainly ask for government help. You can go that direction, or you can go a different direction. <laughs> the direction sure. of this wonderful mother, Jordan. That's probably a wrong direction. I'm, I'm gathering. I, I, are you for big government? Is that what you're saying? I have this program? Uh, well, I'm. She has signed up for a new website. Oh, boy. And this website is called What's Your Price? Hmm. She is being paid to go on dates and maintain platonic relationships with men. It's totally wholesome. I mean, just to go out and hang out with somebody, it seems fine. Sure. That doesn't sound like a good, solid business model, though. I mean... What do you mean? Well, I could make friends with you know women and mm-hmm. uh first of all we know that's not true with you you could well i can't make friends with anybody no. but <laughs> but uh, mm. uh you know you, you that's not a hard i mean why would you pay for that well uh the men will either send her this is her quote mm. um, men will either either send me an offer or i can counter offer and i'll mm. send them an offer of like 150 or 200 dollars okay, so you know this, and this seems like prostitution I don't because I don't, I don't think. Did you miss that, the word platonic? Yeah, because that's what that that's what the word is yes, in the article, right? Okay, I don't know if she defines platonic like I would define platonic. It's possible. More the men. It's possible that yeah. people have right. different views okay. of this right. type sure. of. Sure, and so, we're open minded, right. right? Now she says she can counter, or she can ex- they can accept the offer. Um, it is a eBay type service. Hmm. It's just like a bidding thing, but I don't do less than a hundred dollars. Now, part one of this is is an issue in that when you're announcing to the national media what you're, the lowest price you will accept in a negotiation, the negotiation isn't necessarily going to go well because everyone's going to know you'll do this for $100. So why would you ever accept a $200 bid on whatsyourprice.com? That's question number one I have. 
Now, the arrangement is fairly similar, according to Yahoo News, to seeking arrangement. This is another set I'm sure you're familiar with. Seeking arrangement. Yes. This, this is, is a flower? It's a little different. Oh, okay. It's a little different than a flower site. Okay. It connects women with sugar daddies. Sugar daddies. Uh-huh. Or even comparable to being a prostitute. No. And some people, I don't know, you you somehow pulled that out very early in the story. Yeah, well. But that's not, that's. That's not what... I'm pretty much an oracle when it comes to things like this. (laughs) Now, this mom insists that the process is different Mm -hmm. because of the lack of pressure and legality. Hmm. She did sign up for the Sugar Daddy website. And that's one thing we do have to to acknowledge. All right. She did sign up. But she left that life of sin. She said it was just garbage. It was garbage. It was just garbage. Right. She put it put a bad taste in her mouth. So Mm. she didn't have really high expectations for what's your price. Right. She was nervous because (laughs) she didn't want the men to expect anything. Sure. But she to solve that problem. She took an important step. Mm hmm. She pointed out in her profile that it would be no strings attached. Now, I don't think this is going to end well. I mean, if she is sincere in that, Mm -hmm. I have a feeling we're going to find her body in a dumpster at some point. (laughs) No. Okay. It's certainly possible. Maybe behind the bar. We might find her body in a dumpster. But it's not going to work out well. If you were going to a site. Uh-huh. In which uh, dates were offered for cash. Uh-huh. And in the profile of the person, mm-hmm. it said no strings attached. I think what you would think on that is it's un- it's sex without any connections afterwards. Right? Like no strings attached means the exact opposite of what she wants it to mean. <laughs> Which is a huge problem, right? If you sure, if what you want, sure, is someone who just is going to have sex and then there's nothing afterwards, right? You'd say, no, look, let's hook up, no strings attached. Let's look at it another way. <laughs> maybe she's saying, I'm not a puppet of anybody, and you can't tie me up. That may be what she's saying, right? However, she seems to uh, not understand what the phrase means. This, these words may not think what you think they mean, <laughs> right? So. <laughs> You keep using that phrase. That's <laughs> <laughs> what you think it means. Uh, so she now is saying that uh, that's because she just doesn't want the people to expect anything. No strings attached means the opposite to that. But she could get lucky. You could. Um, right. What she's, I'm quoting the Yahoo News story, what she's gotten out of the men she's gone on dates with is Wait nearly $3,000. Hold on just a second. There's a... Could I just have a sidebar here, yes, Your Honor? Please just to, do it. I, please do it. I, uh, could you read that sentence again? This is from Google News? Uh, Yahoo News. Yahoo mm. News. Okay. What she's gotten out of the men she's gone on dates with is three, nearly $3,000. Now, I mean, I don't... I mean, I hate to be a... I mean, I'm not the queen, and I don't speak the queen's English, but I don't recognize that even as English. Does gotten... Uh, get no. into a news story. No. I don't think it should. Ill-gotten goods, if okay. it's in para- right. if it's in quotation marks, okay. maybe. I'll give you that. All right. But that amount is only increasing with a single more steady companion she's connected with. After a few dates with one man in particular, this mom says she's taken on a more he's taken on a more substantial role in her life. Mm. From buying her a truck to giving her money. To buying her teenage daughter Christmas gifts, oh dear God. the 36-year-old's companion has given her $7,600 so far, although their relationship is 
currently non-sexual, the divorced dad of grown children has been introduced to Smith's friend and her family. He's definitely unique, she says. He's always wanting to help out and wanting to help me succeed because I'm a single mom. Mm-hmm. He's taken me and my girlfriends out. My daughter's met him a few times. He's actually going to buy her a car. Oh, you got to get. <laughs> he sounds like a winner. Get your daughter in with him right away because <laughs> nothing could possibly go wrong. <laughs> There'd be no trouble you'd be gotten into. <laughs> By the way, just to uh, wrap up the story, in the meantime, she continues to date around the, around the site and have some extra earnings, while also doing some part-time foot modeling on the side. Obviously, this story ends with part-time foot modeling. I don't believe that story. I believe that is fake news. There's no one, There's no way somebody actually wrote that story, and it's true. That's craziness. Welcome to yet another day in America. All right. You're looking to sell your home. Now is the time to do it. Between April 15th and August 15th, prime time to sell your home. So it's not too late. Get in. If you need to sell your home, put it on the market now. Now, how do you find a real estate agent? Well, you, you kind of have to interview them. Don't just call one and have them come over and, yeah, well, I got this. Interview them. Interview them. Now, I want you to call or, uh, or you know, email realestateagentsitrust.com. We have over a 1,000 agents all over America who are just like you. Their word is their bond. They're fans of the show. They share your sensibility. Our agents are fully vetted, handpicked by my team for their knowledge, their skill, and their track record. They're going to sell your home on time and for the most amount of money. And you don't have to worry about the runaround. Okay? Everybody wants a, everybody wants a square deal. Everybody just wants to sell their house or buy a new house and get the best price. Thousands of families have already put realestateagentsitrust.com to the test. The results are remarkable. Find out yourself. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Whether you're selling, you're buying, you're managing a house someplace else for your parents, realestateagentsitrust.com. Glenn Beck Mercury. Glenn Beck. We are, uh, we're glad you tuned in. Thank you so much. Diamond and Silk coming up in uh, just a second. Pat Gray is coming up. I also want to talk to you a little bit about uh, the leadership training program. We did this last year uh, at Mercury One, and it is, it is remarkable. If you are 18 to 25 years old, Mercury One is opening up our library for a select few to research on original historic documents from our collection. Um, we will also be teaching history. David Barton uh, and his son are really re- heading this up. It's it's really remarkable. First week begins May 28th, June 11th, and then the last session is July 9th. If you would like to apply, there is a cost to this. If you would like to apply, mercuryone.org slash LTP, leadership program, LTP, mercuryone.org LTP Glenn Beck Mercury Love Courage Truth Glenn Beck Flee when you can Fight when you must Ah, there's the American spirit 
That's the new school safety plan at a school district near Erie, Pennsylvania. The schools across the country are taking a hard look at their readiness for attack, and this district is arming their teachers with a, with a mm, weapon in the event they ever have to fight. They're going to... they. Well, they, you know those little souvenir baseball bats that you you know, you get sometimes in stadiums? You know, they're about 12 or so inches. and uh, Yeah, it's pretty much those. Uh, they've given the teachers these little teeny souvenir baseball bats. And, uh, you know, so the teachers, uh, you know, are going to have this glorified drumstick. Uh, in the event of a hobbit attack or a squirrel invasion, uh, these bats are going to come in really handy handy i mean if a if a 12 inch nolan ryan comes in and just starts pitching baseballs those teachers are going to be ready uh and i think that's i uh, congratulations the district superintendent says teachers aren't expected to confront the attacker with these chopsticks on steroids um you know which which, which, which is good um because you'd probably be killed but the superintendent said quote the bats are more symbolic than anything else that's why I called the White House and I said, President Trump, you know what? Forget about sending cruise missiles over to Syria. Let's do something symbolic. Let's just light off an incredible fireworks show. And it'll be symbolic of us bombing the chemical weapons animal. What do you think? I think it would work. Symbolism usually works really well against people who are nuts. Um, now, you know, we, I guess they could have gone with a regular size baseball bat or maybe even a, you know, an aluminum bat, you know, that would be, it'd give you a fighting chance. The district's 500 teachers each received their 16 inch souvenir bat, uh, which I'm sure they all went, okay, now I'm, uh, safe. Uh, it's, you know, it's one thing to, to joke about arming teachers, um, it's another thing to uh, to arm them with souvenir bats uh, and think that that is a, a good idea because that's not a, that's a joke that'll get you killed. You know what I'm saying? The reality is the organizations that train teachers know how to survive attacks, and they recommend trying to throw books, chairs, and any items hand by uh, you know uh, that you have handy at the attacker. So give everybody a baseball bat. What do you think? Another reality is the typical classrooms only have one door, so students and teachers can easily be trapped during an attack. Even a miniature bat, even a miniature bat may not get them to safety, but it may be better than nothing. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, so there's two parts of this story. At least somebody's doing something, right? So it's nice to hear a school district emphasizing the potential of fighting back against an attacker rather than relying on just hiding in a lockdown. You know, a little baseball bat is probably not the best idea, but according to a local survey, the district's residents are overwhelmingly in favor of giving guns to at least some of the teachers and staff. The problem is state of Pennsylvania hasn't made that legal yet. And the teachers union, they don't think here, have another bat. So until that happens, if you have kids in school in Pennsylvania, you better pray that a hobbit-sized uh, Nolan Ryan does not walk through your child's door.
It's Thursday, April 12th. So you're listening to the Glenn Beck program. This week, there has been a lot of talk about Facebook and a lot of questions uh, about Facebook and the way they run their algorithms. And are they hurting conservatives? The answer is yes. But here's just a few of the questions. In May of 2016, Gizmodo reported that Facebook had purposely and routinely suppressed conservative stories from trending news, including stories about CPAC, including stories about Mitt Romney, including stories about the Lois Lerner IRS scandal, including stories about Glenn Beck. In addition to that, Facebook has initially shut down the Chick-fil-A Appreciation Day Mm. page, has blocked a post of a Fox News reporter, has blocked over two dozen Catholic pages, and most recently blocked Trump supporters Diamond and Silk's page with 1.2 million Facebook followers after determining their content and brand were, quote, unsafe to the community. Well, they are so dangerous because I, I, I think they're hysterical myself. Uh, I'm a fan. I don't always agree with them, but I'm a fan. And... I just wish they just weren't so dangerous building bombs or whatever it is they're doing that only Facebook knows about. Diamond and Silk, welcome to the program. How are you? We're wonderful. Thank you for having having us. (laughs) You're welcome. Uh, So what, first of all, let me start with just the human thing. What was it like to watch a congressional hearing and hear your name mentioned over and over and over again? Well, you know what? I was smaller from ear to ear. We were smaller from ear to ear because mm-hmm. it's like, okay, so you have representatives up there that's fighting for the small voices yes. like ours. So we really appreciated it um, because we thought that, you know, we was happy that they were bringing it to light because this sort of thing has been going on for quite some time now. That's right. Um, I, I know because I watch, you know, obviously Internet traffic for because of what I do, and I know that um, conservative voices are being squashed they can take your uh site you have 1.2 million followers these are people who say i want to hear i want it in my feed i want to see diamond and silk when they post something right and they have changed the algorithm can you tell me and, and explain to the audience what has happened to you guys Okay, so what happened was back in September of 2017, we noticed there was like a pause on our page where our information and content wouldn't come up for about eight hours. We reached out to um, Facebook. They resolved that particular issue. And then after that, we noticed a significant drop in our reach. We noticed we started getting complaints from our followers and um, stating that they was not uh, receiving their notification. We're not showing up in their news feed. Facebook is making them ask, um, answer questions. They can't like and follow our page. Somebody has unliked them and unfollowed them, and it wasn't them. Just all kind of kooky things. So we've been back and forth with Facebook for about, what, almost seven months now. Mm-hmm. Um, and then finally they made the decision on April the 5th that we, our brand and content was deemed unsafe to, to the, the community. community. Mm-hmm. And so when you look at our brand and content, our brand is us. We're diamond and silk, two black chicks, down with <laughs> politics, love our country, right. very patriotic, love our president yeah. and his agenda. So what are you saying? Mm-hmm. So we was taken aback by it. We was offended by it, appalling. We just It was just appalling what was written to us. And so we said, you know what? They told us we couldn't appeal it. So because they told us we couldn't appeal it, Silk put it out there on social media, mm-hmm. and then it just started 
gaining momentum from there. Silk, I'm never, I never ever want to do a tour or even this radio show. I would like to see if I could hire you away from Diamond because <laughs> I, I, I can't get Stu to do what you do. I can't oh. get Stu to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and I absolutely oh, wow. love it. Thank you for loving us. Thank you so much, sweetie. Okay, so so tell me, uh, when you heard uh, Mark Zuckerberg say that, you know, no, this is this is not happening, what'd you think? Well, it's sad that he don't know his business. He don't know the business model and how these algorithms work. These algorithms are put in place to suppress conservative voices. And I think that what he's trying to do is turn Facebook into a political playground for Democrats and let them do whatever they want to do while we suppress conservative voices. Mm -hmm. And I know they want to say, oh, it's a private entity, but it's open to the public. And when you're open to the public, you cannot discriminate. You can't say one voice is better than the other because there's nothing in your fine print that says this platform is for liberals and we're only going to hear liberal point of views and not conservative point of view. That's right. And not only that, just, you know, messing with us monetarily. You know, we understand that Mark Zuckerberg, he's like the American dream. He's obtained the American dream. Well, Diamond and Silk, we started from nothing and we want to also obtain the american dream but to have someone pull the rug from underneath your feet and then take that feet and put it on your neck and suppress you you can't make any money you 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 can't build your brand now our brand is labeled our brand has now been tarnished as unsafe to the community like we were some type of terrorist or something what what does that mean unsafe did did you when, when you when you were labeled that, you called. You had to have called Facebook. No, we, no. Well, we did call because they told us it was not appealable. We couldn't appeal it. That's so right. that's why we took it to social media. Exactly. Because it was not appealable. That's and right. And we wanted to know the question, well, what is unsafe with two black women supporting our president? What's unsafe about that? We had specific questions for, for them to answer because we wanted to know. So you know, we've been back and forth. If they wouldn't have wrote, um, it couldn't have been appealed, then maybe we would have went, kept going back and forth. But we've been back and forth with these people for almost six months. For six, six months. months. I got it. I got it. Six months, five days, 29 hours, 40 minutes, and 43 seconds. So, So where do you go from here? Well, you know, Facebook has reached out to us. They reached out to us through Twitter this morning uh, when we woke up and got to our little destination and saw all the Twitter. And what did they say? What did this what did the tweet say? Um, oh God, I gotta get it. Now you now you put me on blast. <laughs> you paraphrase it. Oh gee. Well it's basically that they've been trying to reach out to us but they want to talk to us. So I'm glad that they that we see now where they've reached out to us and um and then we're gonna take it from there. We keep everybody updated and posted. Okay. Because I really want to talk to Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah. I want to sit, we want to sit down face-to-face and talk to him because I really want him to understand that he, it's not just one point of view. It's, it's, you've got several points of views. And another thing, it's not just our pages. It's other conservative pages. That's right. That's seen a significant drop in their reach. And that's not fair. If you built your platform one person at a time, then those people deserve to see your content, that's especially right. if they want to see it. And if Facebook is for all ideas being there on Facebook, then no algorithm should be in place to suppress some ideas. That's right. So we want to talk to him, first of all, face-to-face. That's right. And then, you know, and then he's going to have to rectify this. That's right. He's going to have to make this right, and we're going to have to come to the table. Yeah. So he'll know, okay, this is what you need to do, because you got to make this here right. I have a feeling 
he would rather go another round with Congress than the two of you. <laughs> but we're, not, we're very nice. I'm a very nice, humble, meek being. But I do not like to be branded. Don't brand me. You know, I, I don't want to make anybody feel uncomfortable. Oftentimes, people of color always get stigmatized. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Don't do this. Don't do that. But how is it that when you start pulling yourself up by your bootstraps, you have someone to come along and take those straps and think they can use them to hang you out to dry? No, 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 mm-hmm. no. If he can obtain the American dream, everybody else can obtain the American dream. If the liberal voices can be heard, then the conservative voices need to be heard, too. You're going to have to even out this here playing field or dismantle the whole Facebook. That's right. Facebook will be the face without the book and the book without the pages. Amen. Uh, Diamond and Silk, thank you so much. Keep us uh, up to speed on on what is happening. And uh, we uh, strongly stand behind all voices being heard. And uh, it is is not right what's happening to you. God bless. Thank you so much. And don't forget to go visit us at diamondandsilk.com. I think that that was Silk. I'm telling you, she's got... I'm going to make her an offer. I'm pulling her away. Mm -hmm. I'm going to pull her away. That's right. (laughs) Amen. Uh I just love these two. I think they are so funny. All right. Simply Safe Home Security. Be prepared for anything that gets thrown your way. Storm takes out your power. Simply Safe is ready. Intruder cuts your phone line. It doesn't matter. They're going to call police anyway. They can destroy your keypad and your siren. Yep. Already been done. They contacted police. So maybe it's overkill. Maybe you don't need the, you know, uh, every scenario, every possible bad case scenario. But Simply Safe has done all the thinking so you don't have to. It will always be ready. Now, Simply Safe could charge an arm and a leg for this, but it doesn't. Instead, they only charge you what's fair. The 24-7 professional security monitoring is $14.99 a month. Go to the website, simplysafebeck.com, and just scroll down a little bit and and look at the chart on how much money you will save. It's it's unbelievable. There is no reason why you, you don't have Simply Safe. If you are looking to protect your family and your home and your stuff, there is only one answer. It's Simply Safe. SimplySafeBeck.com. That's SimplySafeBeck.com. Glenn Beck Mercury. Glenn Beck. So Stu and I were just talking uh, because he brought up a uh, a fact uh, about Weird Al Yankovic. Which yes, I try to keep off the air as much as possible. I do talk about it quite a bit in the breaks. Yes, uh, so usually right. I don't get it back on the air. But this time we're lucky. Thirty mm-hmm. years ago today, even worse, an all time classic in music history, featuring the single "Fat," uh, a parody of Michael Jackson's "Bad," came out thirty years ago today. Thirty. Let me say that again. Thirty. Years ago, I realized the other night that when I was growing up, I'm I think I'm now older than the people that fought in World War Two when I was growing up. Mm. And they seemed really old to me. And that seemed like a long time ago. Then people who were my age then are now looking at me going, wow, you are ancient. And whoa, 1970. What? I mean, it's weird. 
Yeah, it's still, it's, it's you know, there's a couple people now. I, I get this all the time when I'm watching sports. Bartolo Colon, who's pitching for the Rangers this year. Svelte man, young man of 44, I believe, uh, is still in the league. Meaning that there's still someone in the league older than me. But, mm. like, we're down to, like, two, there's, like, one kicker in the NFL, one pitcher in Major League Baseball. It's almost over. I'm up to the owners. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, all the loans I have left are the owners. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, I tell you, I was talking to somebody the other day. When you hit your fifties, you start to the world just starts to look different, and you realize, like I just realized the other day, I got about fifteen years till I'm seventy. What happens pretty fast, doesn't it? Yeah. Wait a minute. What? 15 years? 15 years in reverse doesn't even get me to 9-11. Jeez. I mean, wait a minute. Hold it. Hold Slow things down just so a bit. So you're closer to 70 than you are 9-11. Yeah. That's craziness. That's craziness. Uh, man, that, it, it goes fast. Fast. Might so well, fast. Might as well do something of value, I guess. You, you know what? There. You get to the point to where you're like, yeah, I'm not going to argue about that. Nah, don't care. Nah, I'm not going to waste my time on that one. Nope. I mean, I've I've found myself settling, and I think maybe that's either just extreme apathy and laziness or <laughs> wisdom. I'm not sure which it is yet. Sometimes they're the same thing. <laughs> it could be. You know, there's, there's. I think it's wisdom. I'm hoping that it's wisdom, but I'm getting to this place to where it's like, yeah. I remember that. Mm, all the sleepless nights worrying about that one. No, nah, not really. It's going to be fine. But, I mean, listen to hour one of this program today. Yeah, oh, yeah. No, no. There's things that are worth freaking out about, yeah. but just not the stuff that I used to freak out about. But I think that's what's important, right? Yeah. Is that, you know, you only have a limited amount of time. You might as well spend it, you know, chasing things that are important. So, you ready for this one? You know me. I'm a collector. No, I'm not a collector. I'm a hoarder. If I were... No, no, no. If I were poor... I'd be a hoarder mm -hmm. because I have some wealth. I'm an eccentric collector. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> right. No, I have stacks and stacks and stacks of old newspapers. I'm a hoarder. Okay. And I've gotten to this place. I was walking around my house with my wife the other day and I'm like, what the hell do we have all this stuff for? She's like, I don't know. You keep collecting or hoarding it. And I'm like, yeah, I know, but everything in my house has a story. Everything is like, you know, like the rat. Everything has. A, I just I, I'm like, what are we doing? What are we doing? What are we doing? So for what? I just got to get rid of it all. And I just I just I just I'm I'm, I'm in this weird place to where I, in some ways I'm turning into into a millennial. Because millennials are kind of like, uh, you know, I don't want all that stuff. I'd rather, instead of having a big mm. house, I'd rather go travel. I'd rather go do stuff. Me too. Me too. Hashtag me too. Oh, oh my, my gosh. gosh. You're in it. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm a hashtag me too person. <laughs> you know, I don't know how much I believe that. I think every generation comes up with this idea that they don't want the stuff and then they find out they really do want the stuff. I just I... saw an article today about Instagram and that Instagram is now making millennials buy houses. Why? They're starting to see pictures on Instagram of their friends buying houses. So now, all of a sudden, they're getting much more interested in buying houses. 
It's a trap. <laughs> it's a trap. <laughs> this has been a long time coming for you, though. This, th- these thoughts have been coming a long time with you. Yeah, yeah. All right. Back with more useful information when we come back. Glenn Beck. Mercury. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. I want you to uh, go and listen to the podcast if you missed our number one today. It's really, uh, really critical that you listen to uh, our number one. It's, um, uh, you know, it involves secession, the Declaration of Independence, and the 12th Imam Mahdi. And the reason why I bring this up is if you've been listening for a while and you, you are aware of what the 12th Imam is and what the Iranians believe that is, um, we would describe as Christians, we would describe him as the Antichrist. It is their, their uh, end-time eschology is the exact opposite of ours. Their bad guy is our good guy, and our good guy is their bad guy. It's remarkable. Um, and you don't have to believe any of it. You just have to know they do. Um, Putin just called Benjamin Netanyahu and said, please don't join this coalition against Syria. And Benjamin Netanyahu said, sorry. I can't. I, you, you're letting Iran in to the Middle East, and you don't have to take his word. I want to quote. I want to quote uh, uh, the uh, secretary, deputy secretary general from the Iranian Republic Guard. He's talking now. They're both. They're operating in both Iraq and Syria, and he's talking about where they're at right now. Quote. Regional developments are creating the groundwork for the arrival of the Imam of Time. They are currently we are currently busy completing the encirclement of Israel, and soon we will pray in the Dome of the Rock. End quote. The Imam of Time is the Mahdi or the twelfth Imam. If you don't know what that is, uh, look for old shows of mine on that for in YouTube, uh, and join me tonight at five thirty after the regular show. Uh, for the news and why it matters. That's my lead story today. Welcome to uh, Pat Gray. Glad to be here. Thank you. Will we see it's you a... on the news and why it matters at 530 on the Blaze today? I believe you will. Okay. Yes. If you look, I like you to, will. I like to tune in and watch you on the Blaze. But you're also <laughs> yeah. just to my left, which is just like you are right now. Yeah. Right. Makes it very easy to watch you. I am not to your left, ideologically, can however. I ask, can I ask you guys Can uh-huh. I ask you guys something? Yes. You know, we've been talking a lot about Facebook, listening to you and, and watching you, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Every day when we get together, I have a, I just have this weird feeling that people are listening, listening. watching. Watching. And Where's your evidence? Can't come up with some okay. evidence of weird right. feelings. All right. All right. We're I'm just telling you, I feel it. That anyway. old paranoid Rockwell song. <laughs> <laughs> Pat, will you... <laughs> Great reference. Uh, will you uh, uh, will you take us to Katy, Texas? I will because it's a fun little trip. Uh, very surprising little get together of the school board meeting. But we've been following this for uh, a week or two now, and uh, we were absolutely stunned. Katy was having a school board meeting, and one of the citizens in the district got up and spoke. They were talking about bullying, and here's what happened. My name is Greg Barrett. I graduated from KSD in 1983. I started in 1975 with Mr. Lance. Uh, My legal name is Greg Gay. I was bullied. Unbelievably bullied. 
I started out and I had teachers that bullied me. I had kids that bullied me. Even the coaches, I had nobody to turn to. One day at lunch, I had my sh head shoved in the urinal where I, it busted my lip. I had laid on the ground in a fetal position as the kids kicked me. I got up, I rinsed my face off, I walked out of the lunchroom, walked straight to the principal's office, and he told me, these kids will grow up someday. They won't always be like this. But yet, here I am, covered in urine from laying on the ground underneath the urinal. My lip was busted, and they sent me home. Well, I went home, and I got the 45 out of my father's drawer and put it in my mouth. Because at this point, I had nobody, nobody in the school system to help me. Is, is, is that the way this is going to be? Lance, you were the one that shoved my head in the urinal. Oh, my gosh. Now, that is the school superintendent. Yeah. So, I imagine. Now, you're the school superintendent, and you are talking about bullying, and we got to get serious on bullying. And you see this guy come up. You may not recognize him. You might not have seen him since 1983. Mm. But when he says his name, if you were that bully, you absolutely remember. When he says... Uh, you know, I was laying there in, in urine while everybody was kicking me. You remember that. Oh, I yeah. Even if you did it all the time, and a bully like that probably did, um, but I, you would remember that incident. So no one, this doesn't go, you know, much further on that night. Later. Yeah, later in the week, they have another school board meeting, and he addresses what happened. Lance addresses. Here he is. Well, I understand the perception Please know my reaction this past Monday night was one of shock. It, it wasn't one of disrespect or insensitivity. I was purely shocked. Uh, you know, to the hometown that raised me and where I now proudly serve, I regret the negative attention that's been brought to this community in the past week. Ultimately, ultimately, I'll be judged by one person. Yes, yes. And that yes. is yes. God, my Lord and Savior. That's who will judge me. Right, but we're not talking about ultimately. We're talking about your position now as Katie, superintendent of public schools. Who's trying to fight against uh, bullying. Yeah, who's and, making $375,000 now. He he claims he doesn't even know this guy. He claims it didn't happen. He doesn't know him. Two witnesses have come forth. Uh, one is a circuit judge in Alabama now. Says it absolutely happened, and this guy was a big bully in high school, in junior high and high school. And the second uh, is a is a Katie resident named Christopher Dolan who claims he was in the bathroom and saw it all happen. And he has since apologized uh, to Greg Gay for not intervening and trying to help him. So it's it's splitting that community in half because how? half the people want it gone. How is that possible to split that community in half? How? I, it should be pretty clear cut. Yeah. I mean, even if you 
you could say, well, he's changed since then. Then he needs to step forward and say, I did this. My gosh, I am sorry. And show the empathy that Christ would show. Especially when you're talking about bullying in the school district. Wouldn't that be the quintessential thing to do? Actually, it would be a great way to talk about it, It too. It would. Hey, I did these things. Even the kids that are involved in this aren't necessarily maybe even bad kids. Maybe they wind up being upstanding members, but we need to stop it before it starts. In an unrelated issue, but it it ties in because it goes to his character. When he was 18 years old, he, after a, a drug and alcohol party, he was speeding through a neighborhood taking his girlfriend home, and a guy who had just uh, arrived home with his wife from dinner, was getting out of his car, was on the driveway, and yelled, hey, slow down! So he slammed on his brakes, backed up, and came over and beat the man into a five-day coma. Holy crap! Broke his ribs, fractured his skull. I mean, it was Why a wasn't serious... He, were there charges filed? Uh, he was sued for it. Uh, the suit was... They don't even... I've never seen an explanation for why it was dropped, but it was dropped. He come and, from a powerful family? Uh, probably. <laughs> probably uh and he was just a kid who felt entitled he says in 1990 he found god and was as changed. that's fine that's fine that's right. fine that, again that's yeah, look, not the issue look if i said to you if i said to you hey you know i you know i'm a great guy and somebody came up and said uh, you know i knew glenn in 1985 he fired me for bringing him the wrong pen mm-hmm. okay i mm-hmm. know the name of that guy tom mm-hmm. russell Mm-hmm. Okay, not his real name. A name I gave to him. I screw up people's names all the time. Oh, really? Russell, yeah. Really? Is that true? Was actually, <laughs> yeah. You remember Russell the Love Muscle was yeah. actually the name we gave. Yeah, him. I know. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> well, that's, that's actually a compliment. Yeah. yeah so yeah. so we we I fired people. I was I picked Russell up by the tie one time and said, "I'm going to eat you for effing breakfast." I was not a good guy. Tom and I are good friends. Tom's in Harrisburg now, and we're good friends. And when I changed, I made the point of reaching out to him and saying, man, I'm sorry. Got to be restitution, right? You yeah, got, you got to. Got to go to your victims and say, I am I'm sorry, man. Sorry. I am sorry. Yeah, I'm, I'm, still named, I'm still named Stu and no apologies. None. <laughs> no. no. Not one. No, my wife calls me Stu. It's not my name. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm. Uh, my, that happened because the friend I was with was drunk. No, that don't blame Vinny no, for that. It, it was, was your it. fault. Vinny was drunk. It was not. It was not his fault at all. You screwed it up, and because he had- said, uh, "I said who's and he's uh, trying to say Steve," and I heard Stu, and I called you Stu, and I contend the first time I called you Stu, maybe you don't say anything. The third time, maybe. When you're working side by side every day, at some point you say, you know, Glenn, I just have to say, my name name. is is not Stu. Yeah, that happened. (laughs) (laughs) You told me that? Yes, of course I did. No, that's not true. Anyway, this is a a problem for Katie. If, look, we all have to have Christian compassion. But we all have to ask for forgiveness. Yeah. If that guy would have, because I, when I first saw that second clip and he starts to cry, I'm thinking this guy could pull out a gun and kill himself. He feels so bad. Yeah. No. No, no. he doesn't. And actually, he's denying it even with witnesses. When you further, when you hear the first clip at the very end, you hear somebody giggle and everybody says it was him. And that's why he addresses it that my reaction wasn't one of, uh, insensitivity. I was shocked. Wait, you giggled over that story? 
That was a heart-wrenching, gut-wrenching story. You don't giggle after that. I don't, <clears throat> I don't care what your state of mind is. And what are you shocked about? If you know you're a bully, pretty good chance somebody is eventually going to mention it to you. So how is... Especially if it's that bad. Is his yeah. name Greg or Garrett? What was his name? His name was Greg. Greg. He goes by Barrett apparently now. So so, how mm. is he doing I mean, I, have you heard anything heard. from him? I mean, I don't imagine. Know. He was disgusted with the response. I, you, I would imagine he was. Imagine this. You were told by a principal something that you didn't believe at the time, but you had to believe it was going to happen. You then see this guy go up the school board. Yeah. And he's never been held responsible for it. Nobody's ever said anything. He's making $350,000 a year. And he's lecturing mm-hmm. about bullying. Yeah, you would think, you know what? I can't take it anymore. I have to say something. You say something, and you realize the principal was wrong. He's still exactly the same. How do you? How do you deal with that? Yeah, it, and it's you know in a world where one word that somebody uttered forty years ago in jest hmm. loses somebody not just a job but their entire career. And they're they're shunned almost from society. They're never around anymore. You don't even see their name mentioned. But all of that, and I have to tell you, matter. And I have to tell you, not not that I want um, Lance to be fired. I mean, that's not, not my position to even say that. I just want Lance to show some contrition. Show some contrition. Uh-huh. Whether that means he loses his job or not doesn't to me. That doesn't matter. But somebody should gather around and go, you know what, dude, you're kind of a pariah in the community. And I mean, that, that's pretty hurtful. And there's a lot of people here that verify some say they were there. I mean, dude, yeah. you know, you, you, where's your contrition? Then you can embrace him. It'd but, be a great lesson, too, to teach the school sure district about bullying. And kids. Yeah. And kids. What are you Who better, teaching? If, he, went, if yeah. he weren't around to the schools in the Katie system and talked about his experiences and how deeply he regrets it now yeah. wouldn't that be, be a powerful, powerful thing without be that powerful. the less if the two of them yeah. could oh, get together oh, yeah. oh, imagine they could go on a tour all around the country right you know look i was horrible to this man and i i, that would be I something else i've lived with it my whole life he brought it to light i i confessed mm. and i have been broken in half and now we're friends Imagine how good that would be. And without that, it's just the message is you can do this and there'll be no repercussions. Oh, there's going to be, be a kid. There's going right. to be a kid yeah. that is being kicked by a bully and a urinal. And he's going to say, and someday I'm going to make $375,000 a year. And I'm going to keep doing it to people like you. Luckily, with inflation, that's not going to be anything by then. So <laughs> let me tell you about uh, Goldline. Volatility in the stock market. Wild swings in Bitcoin. The constant turmoil in Washington. The, the, the possibility of real war with Russia. This changes everything. This is why gold has come off its best year since 2010. Uh, this is why gold is always a safe haven. When, when things go unstable... That's when gold really comes into play. Now, I have never purchased gold as an investment, although I have made good money on gold. I don't, I don't buy gold as an investment. I buy it as an insurance policy. 
It's not an all-in strategy. You don't take everything and put it all into gold. You spread out your risk. You have some in equities. You, you, know, you have some in gold. You have some cash in the bank. You might have some property in your house or whatever it is, but you spread it out. So if one thing goes, you don't have everything there. Gold. When everything else goes down, gold usually goes up, especially when the thing that is going up is inflation. Call Goldline now. Ask them about their program for the IRAs. Uh, ask them about their uh, their gold bullion that you can get from the Canadian uh, Mint. It, just by calling them, they're going to give you this great copper coin. It is uh, a St. Gaudens copper coin. It is really, really beautiful. Just for calling, just to ask them, uh, 1-866-GOLDLINE, 1-866-GOLDLINE, or goldline.com. Glenn Beck Mercury. Glenn Beck. Welcome to the program. Tomorrow I want to tell you about uh, a guy who runs a bear fund in, um, uh, in, uh, on Wall Street who says, look, I, I thought there was going to be a melt-up. He said, uh, so I was actually you know, very bullish on the stock market for a while, but uh, what's happening in Syria uh, and what's happening with the Fed right now because of the trade wars, he said, I think is very, very disturbing. We should probably spend a few minutes uh, talking about that on tomorrow's program. We'll see you at 5 o'clock only on theblaze.com slash TV. Glenn Beck, Mercury.